Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s, one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether you should or should not dig these back out again. If you are ready for an 80s music deep dive, from Public Enemy to Wham, Eno to XTC, Madonna, Hair Metal, Reggae, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn the Walkman up to 10, and ooh, let's go. Now, from the kitchen, Chris and Henry. Hey, welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the we, sequel. Are we doing this? Unfiltered, unhinged, ultra exposed. <laughs> Hello, Instagram. I don't know. I, 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 there's too many things going on at once, but we, we are recording this for YouTube, right, Henry? That's right. We, this is a, a YouTube, our second YouTube episode going up. Part one went up last week. A lot of folks watched it. We're real happy about that. And then you're doing something called Instagram live stream. Yeah. Yeah. I got this wild hair going to boot up Instagram and go live with it so that anybody who subscribes to us on Instagram at 80s 374, by the way. We'll be able to see a live feed of us recording, and you might even catch snippets of us talking to each other. Henry, I'm just going to stay safe and and remind people that they can they can still listen to us the old fashioned way on any of their favorite places where they can listen to podcasts like Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, sorry, Stitcher, Spotify, all those all those old reliables. You can still get us there. even these podcast aggregators that have like um, Russian symbols on them and stuff is starting to pick us up. So oh, perfect. We're really. We're really happy with that, but we're on a beeline to get to a thousand subscribers. If you podcast listeners would find us on YouTube, it would really help us out. If you like us and listen to our pod, please consider checking us out there. There you go. There's the plug. And Henry, I'm going to real quick, just because it's only our second YouTube video, uh, introduce the way we pick the records for the show, how the show works. Basically, we are going through the 80s one month at a time, and we are taking five records that were released in that month. Um, and reviewing them and going back all the way through the 80s. Uh, the method that we use to pick the records is called the RAGS method. There's four ways an LP can make the show. Number one is R. That's the Rolling Stone uh, four-plus or five-star review from back in the day, not currently, but how it was reviewed by them back then. There's the A, which stands for All Music, uh, the All Music website. Uh, we will, if it's, get a, if it's got a four-plus or a five-star rating there, then we will review it. G is for Grammy nominated or Grammy winners from the year that we're talking about. And then S is for stuff our listeners want reviewed or what we like to call shit we like. Did that cover it all, Henry? Right. Yeah, that covers it all. Uh, um, did you want to tell us something about uh, special picks that you make uh, throughout the uh, year? Yeah, so uh, if you've listened to our show from the beginning, Henry absolutely dis- just despised this idea in the beginning, but I think he's coming around to it. In fact, he suggested that we create a sound effect for it, which I might have done. I'll, I'll, I'll show you here in a second, Henry. we we'll see what you think. Um, but it's okay. called Chris's 80s Music Canon List. And these are the albums that I think are the absolute uh, must-listens if you're going to get the shorthand version of what the 80s were about. This list, by the time we get done, will be our list of the most essentials. Now, it's not necessarily the ones that I like the best because there's some stuff on there that I'm not uh, that big on, but I feel like are critical to knowing what the 80s are. And Henry, if 
we pick something for Canon, this is the noise you're going to hear. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> it sounded like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, that is a Star Wars plasma cannon, sir. So we've got, we've got, uh, so when you hear that, the playlist will be added to. So right now it's called the 80s cannon and Chris of 80s music exposed podcast. Right now we've got a total of 282 songs loaded up. Wow. Okay. It's a full 18 hours of music. So if on a Saturday you wanted to boot it up, put it on shuffle you'll get a pretty good representation of what Chris thinks is essential listening for 80s music. At least through June of 1982. Yeah, so by the time this is over with, we're probably going to have about two weeks worth of listening. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think there'll be more than 50 albums, but we'll see. We'll see. Like you said, there are a number of surprises on there. I encourage people to check it out. Yeah, and and it's not just stuff that we like, right? It's stuff that we think transcends uh for the decade we'll go in the uh playlist notes all right so moving right along henry i think the next segment normally on the show is significant events where we talk about a few events from that month to get people in the mood are you ready to go back to june of 1982 yes i'm ready here we are henry and i have a special treat for you what's that well because i know both of us have massive fat cats in our lives (laughs) <laughs> I saw that in Jan- uh, Ju- June of 1982, the record uh, weigh-in for a cat happened, and that cat still holds the current record to this day. Do you know how much that cat weighed? By the way, his name was Hemi, and he was from Australia. Hemi. Hemi, H-I-M-M-Y. Or if they spelled it like a Hemi, like like a big Hemi. I did truck. too. I thought of that too, but no, it's like Jimmy with an H. How much do you think that bad boy weighed? Oh, gosh. I'll guess. I mean, my cat is the biggest cat I've ever seen, and it is 22 pounds. So I would guess that the biggest cat ever is probably, I'd say, maybe 35 pounds. Henry, it is. it was a 45-pound cat. God almighty, that's a small child. If you look up pictures of Hemi, you can find him on the internet. Uh, Hemi's legs don't reach the ground in any in anywhere. It's uh, I guess he had to be carried around. But he lived to be ten and a half years old. So good on you, Hemi. Um, Henry. Also, uh, there were two movies that came out in June of nineteen eighty two. I think this is pretty amazing. These were major movies. You want to you want to tell the folks about them? Yeah, the first one was released on June 11th. Everyone in the entire world has probably seen this, and it's E.T. E.T., that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Also, so Spielberg was working with another, he produced another movie. It's called Poltergeist. I don't know if you, you know. Oh, Poltergeist. yeah, that's a classic, too. So he worked with the director of that, a guy named Tobe, Toby Hooper. Yeah, who also and, did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so E.T. and Poltergeist were made to uh, complement each other. Like E.T. was supposed to represent suburban dreams and Poltergeist was supposed to represent a suburban nightmare. I can see that. I can see that. that? Yeah, I get that. They, they even they even kind of feel like they both have that same kind of Southern California suburban feel, too, which obviously they were made Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I would never have put that together at all, but apparently that's what it was. No, I wouldn't either. That's cool. 
What other movie was released in June of 1982, Henry? I couldn't believe this till I ran across it, but Blade Runner. Oh, out man. On June the 25th. And I was like, how the hell did you miss that? I just can't believe how good a fucking month it was at the movies. And I was probably at that age like, eh, I just want to see E.T. 47 times. Yeah, I know. Like you- well, before I get too morose, I'm going to get us out of here and let's go review some records. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, Henry, we're old men again. <laughs> Perfect. But but maybe we have a better, more mature take on albums. I know uh, this album was one I heard a lot when I was a kid because my parents loved it. And yeah. it is by Fleetwood Mac. The album is called Mirage. And the song we're going to play is called Gypsy. Lindsay Buckingham, uh, I just want to congratulate you on the success of your first solo album, uh, Belladonna. I thought I thought it was great. Thanks, Lindsay. I mean, yours went up to like number 32. That's not terrible. Well, whatever. It's clear that the world prefers like your ethereal sweetness to my neurotic, anxious weirdness, right? I mean, Tom Petty and Don Henley like you better. How's your boyfriend, Jimmy Ivine? He's good. Do you want to record a pop record now with Fleetwood Mac? Maybe make some money? Sure. In scene. That's how the record started in my mind. That's how they decided to make it. I would have been shocked if they even talked on the phone at that point. And to tell you the truth... Lindsay's fragile ego had to just be completely obliterated by her oh, success of her album. And, awful, like, and let's be frank. I will, what would hurt more that 
or that plus the fact that your album cover is the stupidest looking album cover pretty much in <laughs> album cover history. Are you talking about Lindsay's album cover? Have you looked at that thing? Is that the one with the shiny face? Yes. What the fuck is that? I don't know what he was thinking when he did that. That it's was. Almost, it kind of looks creepy in retrospect. I'm right? wondering if she was just like, did he, no wonder your album didn't sell. You got the stupidest album cover <laughs> known to man. But yes, Henry, you're right. This album came out of quite a bit of continued infighting with this band, which of course is famous for their Rumors album, which they turned yeah. their many, what do you want to call it? Their, their different pairings within the band, romantic pairings in the uh, in the band into a an album. This album, Henry, did really well, and it did, I think, yeah. exactly what they asked or wanted it to do. They, this was coming off of Tusk, which it was an album we reviewed earlier that we really liked, which was kind of their more experimental, welcome to the 80s kind of album. And I think they thought, we need to get back to being uh, the huge money-making Fleetwood Mac, especially since they all apparently had massive drug habits at this point. So I read a I read it. You said they did more drugs during this than they did there in rumors. Yeah, and I've always heard that was the legend that this was when Stevie Nicks' cocaine habit was getting up into like uh, mid seventies David Bowie level, where she was getting paranoid and all that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't think they were. I think they were barely talking at this point too. I know that there's a there's a legend about when they made the videos that they they were fighting so bad they could barely get the director of the video could barely get the videos made. However, Henry, so with all that said, it's interesting that they made what a lot of people consider a great record. It's their fourth studio album in the Nick's Buckingham classic lineup, I guess what you would call that. So, Henry, the weird thing about this is, I don't know, I, I guess if you look at it closely like we were doing to review it, and, and you see the hits that are on it, and that it did exactly what they wanted it to do, and it was super successful, I should like it a lot more. I don't. You know, I don't really like this record that much. I know. I, I know you don't. I'm gonna try to sell it to you if I can. Okay. Because and the reason why is first pass. I was like, I don't know what I think about this. Gypsy, okay, is a a goddamn like sl- slam slam it right on your tombstone forever kind of song. Wait, know, and can I interrupt you one second right here? Because don't don't you know your original point with Lindsay? That had to be that had to hurt even more because she 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 even, she, she didn't even put her best song on her solo album. She saved yeah. it to crush his ass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, go. Ahead. Now you're gonna bring it and make me work on this. Right, right. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> As if he didn't need any help being yeah. an erotic mess. <laughs> I don't, and I, I don't want to change the subject, uh, but uh, if you guys should, if you're googling around, go on YouTube and look at some interviews from 1982. Look how adult these motherfuckers look. <laughs> like when they're doing, like they had some outtakes from like MTV stuff, like where they're supposed to say congratulations, one year anniversary MTV. And Lindsey Buckingham is like big hair, big curly hair, like twitchy, weird, like looking around. Uh, All that shit. Anyway, that's, so that's the way I like my Mac. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. It's like <laughs> this record. It 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 was so, what it's supposed to be. So Gypsy is like a big hit. Hold me, the big hit. To me, it's like it's still a. It's a different kind of fuck you. It's like, yes, we do pop songs, but we do them better than anyone you've ever heard of in your motherfucking life. 
It's still the whole record looks to the past, but but being in night, it's very subtle in its in in staying in the present in 1982. They were just they were stable, like despite their shit, right? There was so much talent in the band, and despite all this interpersonal bullshit, they were relative to 1982 without sounding forced at all. And in a weird way, I agree with all that. I think there's there's two points that I have that, uh, for me, that kind of sway it the other way. Um, the first one is I do think that this record is mostly held together by Christine Mc, McVeigh or McVeigh. I never know how to say that. See, and that's the fucked up thing about it because she's my least favorite person. In the well, that, that was my, I don't like her much at all. So that kind of hurt she it for did. me. But, but she did, she did hold this together, I think, because I, I do think what you're hearing on the Lindsey yeah. Buckingham songs is, man, I just put out this super arty record. We did Tusk, which was super arty, and you fuckers don't like it. So fuck it. I'll just write pop songs. Right. And by the way, they'll be great. Well, yeah, but I don't know that he cared that much, but I know Christine McVie yeah. did. The second thing, Henry, and this is my essential point of the whole boiling it down, because I love Rumors, by the way. I think Rumors is great. The difference to me in this album and Rumors, which I think this album is trying to be Rumors Part 2, um, is the emotional content. Everything you said is still there. They are still awesome. Though the emotional content is just not there because with rumors, they were all like breaking up with each other and they all, they all cared and they knew they had this great product, but they could, they get along and all that. By this one, they don't give a fuck about each other anymore. They're just like, they're they're looking in other places, but the dysfunction didn't really hurt them on, I guess, as much as I would (laughs) have, as much as I would have liked it to have hurt them. I want this album to be really bad. And, and it's not, it's, it's pretty good, but it's, it's just not. I don't know. There's something about it that I don't like. This record, I would just say, like you probably say, what is good? I would just say it's delicate and traditional, right? And 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 a little subdued. See, that's another that's another thing that's always bothered me about this record because I feel like they were always a great like AOR rock band. Yeah, and, and this thing already sounds like they're heading towards Starbucks land. Like well, it's, it's so kind of like light and airy, which I don't understand why, because at this point they were not light and airy people. But also, Henry, I wanted to, I wanted to read this quote about the name Mirage. I hadn't really thought about it, but um, I found this quote from a writer who said, Mirage is called Mirage because it is the illusion of a band you are hearing, not the full-throated beast that you heard on Rumors. And that really makes sense to me, like sums it up to me in a nutshell. If wow. you don't, if you don't look at it too close, this is a great record. But if you start digging, this is not rumors. It's headed toward Tango in the Night. Yes, and worse after that. <laughs> so you could start, and you could start making some pretty hard, uh, you know, judgment, harsh judgments of Fleetwood Mac. Um, roundabout is when things start to really get questionable. So Henry, I'm going to introduce a third rating. For my rating system, <laughs> I'm going to call this Not a. Not only can we do have a cannon, but now you get to do the third rating. I'm going to call this a thumbs sideways. This is kind of a. I don't. It's, I don't dislike it. How can you say it's a terrible record? But I don't. I can't give it a thumbs up. Um, it, I will say this. I give it a thumbs up, but I will say that if you really want an album that is on our podcast list, our playlist has some outtakes and early versions. Empire State the early version of that song 
you'll be like, this is Tusk. What could this record have been mm-hmm. if they had just allowed themselves to go even further? I would say I would say that Fleetwood Mac probably would not have ended up if if Lindsey Buckingham had had his way on this album. Yeah, and maybe maybe it always taints something in my mind because of the artistic credibility. Because I feel like they totally sold out on purpose on this. Like like Mick Fleetwood never could keep money ever, even to this day. He's like, dude, I gotta have some cash. They all want hit. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. have some hits. That's part of the reason when they recorded it where they did. I understand is because of some kind of tax haven for him. Oh man, that if you so read their bi- shit, whatever it was. Yeah, if you read some in depth biographies about it, he just does dumb shit with money. I mean, just like awful shit. So, but Henry, okay. So you're going to give this a thumbs up, I assume. Thumbs up from me. Okay. Uh, thumbs sideways from you. or first. Yeah. Sideways. So. <laughs> All right, Henry, tell us about our next record. Next record we're going to consider is from George Strait. Uh, the album that we listened to was called straight from the heart. We're going to play part of a song called Amarillo by morning. Amarillo by morning Up from San Antonio Everything that I got Is just what I've got on When that sun is high in that Texas sky I'll be bucking at the county fair Amarillo by morning Amarillo, I'll be there They took my saddle in Houston Broke my leg in Santa Fe Lost my wife and a girlfriend Somewhere along the way I'll be looking for eight when they pull that in And I hope that judge ain't blind Amarillo by morning Amarillo's on my mind Equal time, equal time You you probably picked one of the not great songs on it You know why I picked it? Because you didn't like it? No, what, no, it's my dad's favorite song. Oh, really? He loves George Strait, and he loves Amarillo by Morning. He actually attempts it. If you really want to hear a brutal version, listen to my dad do karaoke to Amarillo by Morning. Really? <laughs> wow. I mean, i got to say, I'm probably on your dad's side with this George Strait stuff. Well, let me, let me give him props first for the things I can. Um, the dude can sing. Yeah, I, I have yeah. no, I have no problems with his voice. And also, Henry, my first exposure to George Strait was, for some reason, back in the day on cable, I came across um, Pure Country, this movie that he did. I don't know if you ever, yeah, saw it. yeah. Is that the one where he looked that he had had a five o'clock shadow or something, or maybe just a little bit more than a five o'clock, a little shadow. bit more, and he, and it's, it's, it's kind of this like, to me, it was like urban cowboy trying to re. Yeah, uh, but I thought he was great in it. I thought he's a good actor. I I didn't have any problem with the guy. For, I thought he was just an actor. I didn't know <laughs> know who he was. 
But um, but yeah, I just I, 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 I'll tell you, and Henry, you can you can tell me if what you think about this. Um, so around this time period, you've got this movement that I think we've covered a little bit. You start the, the inklings of Americana are starting. You've also got this L.A. I guess kind of like it's kind of cool to me. It's kind of like L.A. punk new wavy version of country music starting with like Dwight Yoakam and Lyle Lovett and these guys that are doing a different form of country. So you've got that going on and you got the Americana mm-hmm. stuff. And then you've still got at what I, I guess I thought of as traditional country, but like Willie Nelson and the, you know, uh, outlaw country guys, all that's cool. And then you got this shit that starts, which is dubbed <laughs> neo traditionalism, which to me, <laughs> Like skews heavy on the Western instead of country. Yeah. And it's like, it's shit. So it's like, I, I looked this up and I was like, who are the main players in this? George Strait, don't like him. Garth Brooks, fucking hate him. Alan Jackson, sucks dicks. Randy Travis, <laughs> just don't even go there with Would that. Would he be called a new traditionalist too? They were new. called neo-traditional country. I never even called it that. I didn't know this. I looked this up, but I was like, yeah, this, it, it put a name, Henry, to all the crap that I hate in country. So I didn't like this album at all. I, I thought it was more Western than country. It didn't sound Southern to me at all. I enjoyed it, um, mostly because of that. Like, I thought it was weird. Like, straight is kind of apt for his whole shtick. Right, he even named records straight from the heart. He didn't know straight some some other shit, right? I'm shocked that there weren't more puns on straight with his albums. I thought there was going to be like straight to the <laughs> point, I, straight I, from the can heart. I, can I give you another weird ironic thing? He's called George Straight, but you should look at that album cover. I mean, like, but I, I think people called him a traditionalist. I mean, there those are the same, those there were some thoroughly modern guitar textures on the record. You know, like um, the only thing I have left, I think they pushed that to the bottom of the mix. But I thought the songs were real crafted. And here's another thing you're going to hate. I mean, I don't know why I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I like the album and I'm telling you why you're not going to like it. <laughs> it's because he didn't write but one of those songs. In fact, I looked at every record for the next 15, 20 years and I couldn't find any other songs he wrote. Not a one. So he's definitely not a songwriter. He's a performer. No, but guess who else never wrote a fucking song? Who's that? Elvis. Well, yeah. He never wrote a damn song in his life. Well, yeah, but okay. You, you've got so, you got you know, a point like there. the test of country. You got to know how to inhabit something well and execute on it. This guy, it, it was that quiet. I don't know what you'd call it accessibility and dignity that he would carry himself with. I think people were attracted to that as much as they were the music. Okay. Like there was always the clean press shirt. It was like, you know what I mean? Like some sort of dignity associated. See, this is what I like because what you're reading into that is exactly what's not going on. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really, I'm going to screw you up here because that's why I think a lot of people like it. This record and this actual performer they were actually on purpose a backlash against uh, the Lyle Lovett, um, Dwight yeah. Yoakam scene that they thought was going in the wrong direction. They called that the urban cowboy uh, oh, really? country. And here's the other thing, Henry. This, what you're seeing with those crisp shirts and all that good stuff, this is conservative country. This yeah, is this Republican. is right wing Republican. Let's get back to wholesome. Uh, I mean. 
you, you can know. say that, but I'd say there's a great many like left leaning country artists that look at that and co opt it for themselves too. All I, all I know is that George Jones would not sit in a room with this dude for longer than ten minutes, and he would probably because he's Mister Clean, right? He would call him like a couple words that we can't say anymore in 2020, <laughs> and then walk out of the room. Uh, it, this album is two two songs too short. I found it to be how many songs are on it? It's like, well, the whole record clocks in at 28 minutes. I yeah, I find it to be 28 minutes too long. That's the longest 28 minutes I've spent in a long time. Anyway, I had a very classy experience with George Strait. I did not attack any of the conservative leanings to his image, but I can totally see where you're coming from. And boy, his teeth are white. I'll they sure you. are. He's a, he's a good-looking straight straighter. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up for me thumbs down from Chris thumbs down for me uh the next record we're going to listen to is by billy joel the album is called the nylon curtain um and henry i i, I forget to do this sometimes but let me quickly uh recap the fleetwood mac mirage album was a rolling stone four-star record i also put it in the category of stuff we like the george Strait album believe it or not is an all music five-star record all music don't lie Oh yeah, they don't lie. They don't. They know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> this record by Billy Joel called "The Nylon Curtain" is a Rolling Stone four-star record, and the song we're going to play is called "Pressure." both hits off this album as a kid i very clearly have memories of listening to allentown uh, oh yeah uh, for sure on and the that, radio and seeing the video at my grandparents house in red springs north carolina that was a big video yeah that was yeah. that was a that was on all the time and, and i guess uh, i guess pressure was as well that was a that was kind of like an art arty video kind of thing this is billy joel our last look at billy joel was glass houses we ripped it right so on this one, I found like he was actually trying. I, I think I, he, this is his attempt at trying to make a serious album. 
Yes, I think he would even say this is his biggest attempt <laughs> of all time. But, this was his. This was a shot at making a. So serious I was out. expecting. So the thing is, I'm expecting something lesser. Just getting into it to begin with. To be honest with you. So, so, so I, you're saying you I'll, didn't have high hopes when you when you fired right, it right, right. So, so the album uh, impressed me on a surface level, but I still have to say, it's because I know that he's trying. I guess if you listen to several songs on it, it's blatant Beatlesisms, you know, in it. Like it's not just a nod. It's almost like he's taking so many elements of the Beatles on and and a couple of songs. It's a little off putting, you know. I actually, Henry, was shocked by that. I didn't remember that being there, but in a way, I kind of liked it because it made me think he could do something a little bit different than what he what he normally okay. did. But of course, he was just copying the Beatles. But, um, yeah. I, I, but, but let me try to make a defense of that real quick. John Lennon had just died. Yeah, and in all honesty, Henry, if you had switched this album with. I guess I can't remember the last. What's what's the last uh, Paul McCartney album we reviewed called? Um, oh, I have to go back. Was it just Paul McCartney four or something like that? Whatever it was, this album is a better Paul McCartney solo record than the Paul McCartney solo record, in my opinion. So I got to give him props on that. He did a really good job of copping the Beatles. I wanted to give him a lot of credit, like you did too, because he's really trying here, and it this is sort of a. It's kind of cool because it's sort of a concept record, but not. But it's all yeah. about like Reagan era or the starting of the Reagan era. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he and said, Alan and he Jones, said, it's about the generation that was the first generation that came after the baby boomers that wasn't going to do as well as their parents, which is kind of cool. I just felt like he was reaching further than his ability because I don't know that it's, it. I, I commend him for all of that, but I don't think it's yeah. that great. I think we're landing in, in uh, same, almost the same place with this on the same sand uh, sand bunker. It's like, and if you listen to like that Scandinavian Skies song, right? It's very adventurous. Yes, right, that song, but it's completely at odds with the whole rest of the record. Right. You know, it doesn't really fit. Right. And so, my, my I'm, the only thing that I can say is that I just don't think Billy Joel is that kind of musician. No, and it's it's weird because I feel like he almost um, has a problem with his own talent because the kind of songs that he's super great at writing, I don't think he feels like those are, I think he feels like those are more throwaways. And this was yeah. an attempt at serious music. And I, I feel the other way. I feel like he's much better at writing Uptown Girl, those type songs, yeah. than doing this. But, Allen, but Allentown turned out really good. And yeah, and, like, and there's moments all over this record that turn out good, but it just doesn't... So they, Come all so the way together. Pressure. I kept thinking you need like a Bernie Taupin or something. Musically, this is pretty fucking good, but it's like the lyrics let it down. He doesn't have any lyrical insight, it, or I'm not saying he doesn't have any, but it's what he's got isn't so great. And so, and that's a hard thing to say because of the you know. Listen to us. I'm, re- I'm really glad he saved that sax bullshit to the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know that's not your favorite. <laughs> And hey, the sappy sax ruins that stuff. Yeah, I got to give this one a thumbs down, but... I'm giving this uh, one another sideways thumb just because the guy tried so hard. And actually, I can't give a thumbs down to an album that sounds like a better version of a Paul McCartney solo record than Paul McCartney could make. I got to yeah. at least give it a sideways thumb. And I and Henry, I really did want to like this record because I'm not a big Billy Joel guy. 
and I applaud him for trying, but boy, it just, it just doesn't quite hit the mark for me. So yeah, sorry, gave it a thumbs down, but, uh, but I was, you know, impressed a little. All right, Henry, give us our next one. Okay. Our next one is band called ABC. The record is called the lexicon of love. And we're going to play the look of love part one. That was uh, just a break, right? That was a break. I was going to try, like, Ow. instead of fading, I was just going to do a hard stop. What'd you think? That's pretty good. That's like a really good, like a real <laughs> professional edit. You know, I, my first look at ABC was probably not, didn't have anything to do with this album, but it was when Smokey Sings. Okay. You so that? you're, yeah, you're a couple albums later. Yeah, I didn't even know anything about these guys until then. And so I was already soured on it and would never have got <laughs> given them a look. <laughs> I put them in the Spando Ballet oh, box. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, they they were definitely in the Spando Ballet box, but a lot of people <laughs> like that. That's not, not a terrible box. Like, I know. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's the worst thing ever, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really care for it uh, that much. I felt like I, I sort of dismissed it, them a little easily more easily than well i think everyone would agree though that henry this record is quite a bit better than by the time they got to that so what did you think when you when you went back to this they were funky as hell and as i as the record went on i got used to his voice okay so that's so that's interesting you so your his voice is something you were never big on i was never a fan of it okay i think you know I, i don't know what it is i think it's very strange delivery kind of. Yeah. I think he's very, the thing I didn't notice until going back and listening to this, Henry is there's a band now called the killers mm-hmm. that I feel like cop them quite a bit, but there's this like almost melodramatic quality to his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like show many kind of 
Yeah, it's almost like he's he's wanting to do um well to me and I think the cover of the album kind of looks this way too. It's almost like the music is almost written to be in a musical. It's like right yeah. on the edge of there's and and I think the song titles too with this part 1 and part 4 stuff. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's um the music from a musical that you've never seen. And I I think that was part of the way he wrote it. It is kind of a, a concept record about trying to be uh, get into a relationship and to be suave and cool and f- sophisticated and not being that way, which but, you uh, know, I think is interesting. This, but me giving them a listen really comes on the tail end of listening to some other kinds of music that are set up, not exactly like this, but a little bit like Roxy music and maybe even Duran Duran. Right. Which, which and they see, I don't know. I, it's like something about ABC's dignity has been stripped away for me in some way. Like, the musicianship is good. The presentation has a tendency to feel kind of maybe frippy and silly to me, right? It may say more about me than it does about ABC. I don't know. Well, I always, my personal opinion was always soured on them because I always thought they were an imitation of Roxy music that wasn't as uh-huh. good. Or there was another band that we listened to uh, a couple months ago called The Human League, which mm-hmm. I think... Dare. Yeah, the album Dare, which does a lot of what this album does, but a lot better, in my opinion, with a lot more, I don't want to say heart, but with a lot more art artistry. This is definitely trying to be commercial, but I feel bad for these guys, though, Henry, because I feel like every time I've ever read anything about them or talked to anybody about them or any of that kind of stuff, everyone's always trying to compare them instantly to other bands. Like, they never just talk about this album. And I was shocked when I started reading, doing the research on this. This album was huge. In England, okay? It went to number one in the UK and spent 50 weeks there. There were a lot of people in England that are huge fans of this. Like, it was massive. It also was their debut record. So, it's kind of got this folk uh, folklore about it, similar to a band that we loved in the 90s called the Stone Roses, where it's like they came out with this record that uh, changed everything in the nation and then kind of didn't really ever... We're ne- never able to follow it up to that same level. Then they they just did something else completely, right? I mean, well they 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 did a different styles and stuff, but yeah, but I think they never really stayed with that lineup either. It, it eventually became basically the main guy um, by himself a lot, but yeah, they and I think that's where you you showed up with when Smokey sings and you're like, well, like all the guys that were in this left and he, he was carrying on kind of by himself. Exactly. Exactly. So the the record idea, but see, it also plays to me like a more juvenile, you know, we talked earlier in the pod about, you know, have our opinions, you know, we have more nuanced opinions now Mm -hmm. older than maybe we had when we were younger. And we saw that with, with our opinions of the cure. Yeah. Well, I was actually hoping, yeah. Henry, that I would like it better now, but I, yeah. I, I, it just comes up short to me a little bit. Yeah, it it idealizes like love and romance times ten, and although that's like a, it's a fun aspiration, right? At my age now, it's just kind of overt and more goofily happy, and um, and so you know, although I can accept that from my sad music, I can accept that from you know Robert Smith. I, it, the music doesn't really resonate with me, even though I can look at the musicianship and think it was good. It just doesn't resonate with me emotionally. Um, 
Well, I, I had to rack my brain on this one, Henry. I had to really sit with it a lot. I, I just, I looking at it, stepping back and looking at it. I just, I just had to. <laughs> I don't. He did it. I don't see there's any way around the '80s without putting Lexicon of Love in there because it well, it was so influential. It was so. Yeah. Ubiquitous. Yeah, from what I read, it was very um, uh, important. Yeah, so this is canon to me, even though this is maybe the first canon album that I've, I I will give it a thumbs down, but it is definitely canon. You can't, isn't that weird? You can't get around it. You put it in the, it It has to be there, right? I mean, it's just like, I I, I don't know what the 80s would have been like without it. You know what I mean? Like it influenced so much stuff. I do think you could, you could take some of their swagger and put it on other bands that you've heard too. Like, I don't know, Frankie goes to Hollywood, maybe. Right. Or, or other bands like that, that adopted that kind of swagger. This guy is still at it. He oh, just yes. did. He just did Lexicon of Love too. I didn't hear, I haven't heard it yet. I don't even know if it's any good. I got good reviews. Yeah. I'm going to actually listen to that one. And I hope that I like it better than this one. This is one that I like really want to like, and I want to say, Oh, it's like Avalon and it's an undiscovered great record, but I just, it just misses for me. So, but I am putting it in the Canon. Okay. It's in the Canon. You got it. All right, Henry, our last record we're going to cover is by a band called men at work. The album is called Cargo, and this song is called It's a Mistake. sings like soulfully that I can when I say soulfully maybe I don't even know that I know what I mean when I say it but do you know what I mean like he's the only guy that sings like that that I can actually stand that's interesting because all I hear now and I didn't hear this when I was younger all I hear now is a sting ripoff dude I wrote police light that's what this is (laughs) I think we might have kind of said that with the last record, but this one really is to me like is too much police light. It's just like there's no there's no substance to it at all. But 
listening to it like listening to that song right there through the headphones, it is pure radio rock early 80s magic. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that sound. But and there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's pristine, but there's just no weight to it. And I think Henry, it's actually I, I just noticed this is kind of my theme for the entire episode. All of these records tried to get to a certain place. And I feel like they all, in their own way, came up a little bit short. Um, Interesting, yeah. I feel like all the elements were supposed to be there, but it just doesn't hit for me. What about you? I mean, I actually remember, I put this song on as I ran the other day. And the first song on the album is Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. And I, I had not heard that song in at least 30 years. It was immediate, like, oh, my God, I totally remember this. yes. Went, uh, took me right back, but I, but weirdly enough, it's like I I don't know that anybody else knew this song. I know that I've never talked to you about it. No, but it's but one I remember. I don't know that. I, I guess it was on the radio a little bit, but it wasn't a big hit. So it wasn't, but here it's like it was a hit over there because it was the first. But here, what they did with this record was uh, last time uh, business as usual became a hit and rolled into the United States and they were superstars, but this album cargo was already done. So the follow-up was happening before they even digested the superstar or whatever stuff that was going to happen with business as usual for the, for the U S they did. They didn't do this as a single over here yet. They did. It's a mistake and overkill. Everybody remembers overkill. Well, you know, you, you know, with both these albums, though, Henry, they, they, when you hear the hits, you're, are you kind of shocked? You're like, oh, of course, that's, that song is big. And you forgot how big it was. Like, you forgot uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which, this, and that's, it amazes me that they broke up, like, after such, like, a string of, like, number whatever hits they had. Why would they just quit? Well, and that's <laughs> also, I, if you, if you, if you, Look at their story long term too. They've had some tragedy, but yeah. I think it's one of those cases, Henry, where you nailed it. With all of a sudden they're swept up in this huge superstardom yeah. before they're even ready, or I don't think they even liked each other that much, um, and they were kind of put together uh, a little bit. It wasn't like five guys from the same school, and I don't know that they all agreed on everything. And I think you know how you you can kind of not you personally, but you know how these bands can get the big head. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. everything you've done has worked. And then, you know, somebody else in the band says, well, let's, I want to do this type of song. And you're like, fuck you, you know, like, so I think there was a lot of that going on. And then of course, one of the members died not long after. And then there was no way to do the original lineup again. So it was kind of blown that way. But I, I, Henry, I, I think, um, I didn't know that. I, I, I apologize. I didn't know that cargo was made before. Um, yeah. I, and, I guess I'm giving them an excuse for well, why maybe. Well, I wouldn't say that explains a lot to me because to me, it sounds like if you took the first album and then picked all the outtakes, this would be the outtakes record. It just doesn't quite as good as the first record. And maybe that was the case. They just culled the next best group of songs. A fair amount of musicality here. I mean, I actually liked it, liked it. I, and I, and again, I don't dislike it either. And it, there's nothing about it that's bad. I do like how they, I, I kind of kept thinking the whole time I was listening, like, this is their own brand of pop. Like, there's nobody else really doing this. Like, it's got elements of reggae in it. And of course, it kind of feels like they're copping the police a little bit too. But did you feel that way too? It's like, 
this isn't like normal what you would think American pop. You know, like if, if the programmers, the radio programmers, I couldn't believe that they were like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what we're looking for. I kept thinking, is there any other band that has tried to cop that sound? Get, I don't. I can't think of any. No, and it's so weird because it's like that. That's what I expect from Australia. Like everything that comes out of Australia that's big doesn't sound the same. Like ACDC didn't sound like Men at Work, and NXS didn't sound like either of those bands. It's like Australia doesn't doesn't cop it, its own sound. All you, can, all you can hang on the on Men at Work is that they maybe sounded like the Police a little bit with this reggae stuff. Yeah, and the and the vocals. I think he was he was going a little bit there with the vocals, but um, I'm shocked that you don't hate this completely because they had a full-time horn player who played all <laughs> no, no, different no. types of it horn. So I, I don't know. Somehow I give them a pass because they're from Australia. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, so, yeah, thumbs up for me on this one. I'm going to give I'm this good. one. You're going to go sideways all the time? You're creating a third lane. I'm going you know, thumbs up, Henry. I'm going thumbs up. Thumbs up. I'm going thumbs, thumbs up, up on Cargo. I like Men at Work in general. I really like the first record. So I'm going to go. It's a lot like the first record. So I'm going to go thumbs up. By the way, I didn't mention it, but this is a Rolling Stone four-star record, and All Music gave it 4.5 stars. But, Henry, why don't we see what Megan thought of all these records? All right. I'm going to get her on the horn and see what she says. All right. There she is. Hi. Hey, hey Megan. Happening? How are you? Not much. How about you? We're doing great. So tell us about, is has the weather changed up there? We got kind of a cool day down here, which kind of shocked us. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I feel like probably since the last time we talked, it's kind of like turned into fall a little bit. Uh, could be worse. We could all be on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Speaking of the of Southern California on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you think of our first album, Fleetwood Mac Mirage? Oh, so you're not going to reveal how you feel about it first, like you usually do? Yeah, I oh. gave it a. I'm sorry, I gave it a thumbs down, and Henry I gave it a thumbs, thumbs up. Yeah, I think that kind of in between on that is pretty fair. Like, it's this? not a bad. You're, crea- you're creating a third lane now, also. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I created. Okay. He's a, he's been the whole pod. He's like, can I give it a sideways? I'm going a sideways thumb on a lot of these. Oh, I would I would give it if I had to pick between the two options. All right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to open up a wound. <laughs> and you do not have to pick. I would between. give it a thumbs up. It's not my favorite Fleetwood Mac record, but I think it's like it's pretty good. It's decent. Megan, just be confident. If you want to give it a sideways thumb, just go right ahead. Yeah, apparently that's a yeah. new thing. I'm, that's I'm that's my new thing. <laughs> but I mean, this album, like some of, I don't know, like you could tell they were trying to change their sound a little yeah. bit um, to yeah. be a bit more contemporary. And now like listening to it in 2020, those songs where they were really trying to do that, I feel like haven't aged the best, but like uh-huh. there are some good songs on it and they're just so talented. Like I love like Christine McVie's voice. I, mean, I was Steve about Vincent. to ask you what you thought about Christine McVie. I like I've her voice a, a lot. Really? Yeah. Weirdly enough. Like I, j- I just stick around to get to the chorus on her song. Well, that's fair. I mean, I feel like she's probably compared to Stevie Nicks. You kind of got a feel for she's her. All, a little maybe bit. She's always been in her shadow. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
But I, I think that actually Christine McVie has a um, technically better voice than Stevie Nicks. Yeah, not I, as unique, probably, but I probably am feeling like maybe this was one of their really heavy Coke albums. Perhaps yes, I don't yeah. know for sure. No, no, you're super... you're dead on it. This was supposed to be the okay. heaviest Coke time. So your your oh, Coke your Coke radar is is right on. Um, cool. what did you think of George Strait? What's it called, Henry? Straight up, straight, straight, straight talk, and heart. straight from the heart. Straight from the heart. I forget that. <laughs> I'm trying to forget everything straight about. I gave heart. this one a thumbs down, and Henry gave it a thumbs up. Okay, so George Strait, I feel like, is legendary when it comes to like country music. Like he sure of, is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't tell if you're being facetious. Oh no, I, I give it a thumbs up. He is. Yeah, oh, I mean, God. I would never probably listen to this record on my own. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of mood I'd have to be in for it, but I don't know. One of my ex-boyfriends, when his grandpa died, they played a George Street song, and, like, oh, I God. cried just because it was, like, everybody was crying, and we are all listening to this super emotional song. And so whenever I think of George Street, I think of that, which <laughs> I don't know if that's the best association, but... Did they play Amarillo by morning? No, I don't remember, honestly. Sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> not my Grandpa. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on this record. I can't stand it. Billy Joel's The Nylon Curtain. I gave it a sideways thumb, and Henry gave it a thumbs down. <laughs> I knew Henry wouldn't like this record. <laughs> like You don't seem like a huge Billy Joel guy. I'm not a huge Billy, but I really gave it a shot. Maybe. Yeah. I did. I tried. You wanted to like hard. it? I did. I gave it, I gave it a lot. I feel like he needs a Bernie Taupin or something. Yeah, I feel like this record is just kind of blah. Like, it's, mm-hmm. again, super talented artist, so I don't think yeah. he could put out a total shit record. Um, the next one was ABC's The Lexicon of Love. I put it in my canon, my 80s yeah. canon, but I didn't give it a thumbs up. I don't like it, but I think it has. It's. I think you have to listen to it for the 80s. Henry gave it a thumbs down as well. Yeah, I I think I would give this record a thumbs up. I mean, it's not, it kind of has the same sound. Like the songs don't really, like there's no like standouts. They all kind of blend together. Um, they didn't really, I feel like they kind of had one mold and they didn't break from it very much. Like it was very new wave or if I would consider, or would they be like new romantics? That's interesting because I think it's considered new romantic too. Yeah, I think it's more that than new wave. Okay. All right, it's our- just okay. Our last record is Men at Works Cargo. I gave it a thumbs up because I hadn't given any of the others a thumbs up yet. And I, <laughs> I just in a sour mood. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. But uh, and Henry, I think you gave it a thumbs up as well, right? Yes. What do you this think? This is a great record, if not just for Overkill. Like I love that song. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. such a good song. Yeah. I would say probably not as like iconic or whatever word you want to use because they're just so associated with uh, Down Under. I think that's the name of that song. Isn't, Isn't that, that the one you said you didn't like, right? I could live with like the rest <laughs> of my life if I could not hear that song ever again. Oh, I'd be fine with it. Like that's really men at work. I like them and his voice is very interesting. I don't think I can listen to them all the time though because of his voice. Like I feel like it would maybe grate on me a little bit but they're good. All right. Well, what is your pick of the month or pick for the episode? Um, I would probably have to say, and you guys are maybe going to be shocked by this, but I'm going to pick the ABC record. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see that totally. Again, because I think it is canon. I think it is very important for the 80s. So I can see where you picked it. I just wish it held up better. Because like I had, like Henry mentioned, I kind of had like this intuition of to what it would be like. And it mm. just didn't live up to it. It's like we're all holding it to a higher standard than it. It's- well, compared to last week, I feel like the our last month, I should say, the last month we discussed, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you had Avalon, which is like a perfect record. So this batch, yeah. I feel like not as stellar, but yeah. right. <laughs> you can't live up to that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do? But what do you what about you guys? What are your picks? Whew. I haven't picked one yet because I, I, don't, I don't think I liked any of these enough. I guess I'll go with <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go with Cargo. I think yeah. I'm going with Mirage. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. Lindsey Buckingham's like my guy. So. Oh, he's got a he's got a hard Lindsey Buckingham fetish. She's had for a long time. Which is interesting because I feel like that's not a lane a lot of people pick. Mm-hmm. Henry was the guy all through the '90s when when he would put a solo album out, he would try to convince all of us that it was good. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd listen to You're it. You're such like, a loyal fan. Not oh, that totally, good. Totally. Well, Megan, can you can you throw in all the plugs for us? Yes, absolutely. So um, we are 80s Music Exposed, and uh, we're on Instagram at 80s374, Facebook at um, 80s Music Exposed, and then Twitter at 80s Exposed. And on YouTube, I'm assuming you can probably just look up 80s Music Exposed, perhaps? Yeah, that's right. 80s Music Exposed on, uh, on YouTube. I finally got all our channel information in there, so we're searchable now. Cool. I will have to subscribe. That'll be very cool. So, and then if you want to follow me, um, my name is Megan Maddox on Facebook and, or Megan Therese, actually. Oh no, I revealed my full name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Bastards of Young 92 on Instagram. And I've made a couple new friends on Facebook that are followers or listeners, I should say, of the show. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Hello, new friends. All right, Megan, we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Glad to have you on video. This is the first time we've seen yeah, you. Yeah, good to see you. I know. Good to see you guys, too. And our next so. episode is going to be a single album episode, so Megan's going to join us for the entire episode. Woohoo! I'm excited. It's a Springsteen one. So. Yes, Nebraska Ooh, by Bruce Springsteen. So we're, we're all excited about that. All right, we'll talk like to that. you soon. All right, bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, Henry. So we've already kind of given our picks of the picks of the. Yeah, month. she wanted to hear what we had to say. We usually wait to wait until she's gone to talk about that. So That's weird that someone wanted to hear what we have to say. I'm, I'm yeah, glad. Actually, I'm glad. I'm glad to do it. <laughs> if you like our show, if you like the records we're choosing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher. We mentioned that at the top of the show. My Twitter handle is at Hank G H A N K G E E. Chris's Twitter handle is at TCI Duke. You got me saved Browns, Chris? Nope. All right. Uh, Chris, guess what? What's that? I made you a mixtape. <laughs>